It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. An Alperin Shingun masterclass filled with tons of highlight plays from this game. Also, KJ Martin, Dennis Schroeder with some big nights off the Rockets bench. Kevin Porter Jr. and Christian Wood getting the hook early in the third quarter because Steven Silas said he didn't like that the energy wasn't right coming out of halftime. We're going to break it all down for you coming up right here at Locked on Rockets. This is Mission Control, Houston. Ignition sequence start. With the second pick in the 2021 NBA Draft, the Houston Rockets select Jalen Green. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. I'm going to keep working. I'm going to keep getting better every day. I'm going to keep perfecting my craft. And every time I step on that floor, I'm coming. Six, five, four, three, two, one. What's up and welcome to another episode of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and also host of Locked on NBA Mondays. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin and the show, of course, at Locked on Rockets. As always, appreciate you for checking out the show, making it your first listen each and every day. Also, hey, it's a Monday, so be sure to go check out Locked on NBA. Some good stories over there talking Lakers, Pistons, and Grizzlies. Now, for today's show... First off, we got to let you know today's show is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, it's where the game starts. Now, in today's episode, we're going to talk about the Rockets 122-98 bludgeoning by the Memphis Grizzlies. A game, though, that did have some positives. We saw an Alperin Shingun masterclass performance, which was great to see. Tons of highlights from Alpi, a really fun game from him. We also saw Dennis Schroeder, KJ Martin make their presence felt off the Rockets bench. We're also going to get into the weirdness with Kevin Porter Jr. and getting the hook from Steven Silas. He and Christian Wood both getting the hook from Steven Silas early in the third quarter, a, a sequence uh, in this game where KPJ's body language just did not look good whatsoever. I'm going to get into all of that as well as we'll visit 
uh, my Jabari Smith propaganda in segment three as Auburn went out sad in the tournament uh, against Miami. Uh, the Jabari Smith agenda is not looking good at this point, but I'll share some thoughts on his performance as well as Jaden Ivey and Paolo Bancaro in the final segment. So let's start with Alperin Shingud because he had a really impressive game in just his, what, 23 minutes played, I believe it was. Yeah, 23 minutes. Alpi had 12 points, a game high tying nine rebounds, Three assists, one steal, five of seven shooting, two of three at the charity stripe, oh of two from three, but he hit all of his shots inside the arc, and man, did he have some highlight level plays. And it basically, Alpi basically took over this game, or tried to take over this game in the third quarter for the Rockets. He, you know, he spoke post-game about wanting to bring the energy, the fact that he and the other rookies, it's their job to bring that energy. And that's what he was trying to do in the third quarter was energize the troops, kind of rally everybody together. And obviously he got the nod significantly earlier in the third quarter than would normally be expected with Christian Wood getting that early substitution. Christian Wood and KPJ both, not even four minutes into the quarter, and both of those guys were back on the Rockets bench. KPJ briefly back in the locker room and then back on the Rockets bench. So Alpi, you know, is a guy that normally, right, does his, you know, he, he's found a way to score in a variety of ways, right? He can score down low, he back his defender down, get them with the array of, of spins and twists and shot fakes and all that. He was like a power player in this game. The first, you know, ridiculous dunk where he drove it in, and and just yammed it home. I, I mean, we're talking, you know, going the length of the the length of the basketball court, and going coast to coast, and just dropping the hammer. And then moments later, doing it a second time consecutively off of a pass from Garrison Matthews, where Alpi kind of delayed for a second, looked like he might be, you know, waiting for a dribble handoff reset, and then just drove the ball in right past his defender, got to the rim, and just elevated again and slammed it home. I mean, you know, Alpi is a guy that I, I feel like has found his way to score, you know, in a variety of ways throughout this season, but especially when it comes to these driving lanes where he is kind of the fulcrum of the Rockets offense, where a lot of the Rockets offense, when he's out on the perimeter, he steers and dictates the offense, right? He has the ball in his hands. He's deciding, okay, we're going this way. We're going this way. You're coming off the dribble handoff. I'm screening for you, that kind of thing. He steers and controls a lot of the Rockets offense. And it's great to see him take these moments where a defense is maybe overplaying their hand a little bit and, you know, kind of expecting the dribble handoff set to come from him or expecting the, the pick and roll or the screen to come out of him. So then he just takes the ball himself and goes straight to the rim and gets an easy two, which we saw, again, a couple times in this one. And then not only just the, the scoring at the rim, but in, in conjunction to that, the passing that was on display in this game. I mean, it, it seems like it happens every single night that Alperin Shingun has at least one, you know, highlight level, highlight reel type pass. And he had multiple of them in this one. He had one early in the game that Dennis Schroeder failed to convert. Schroeder was bringing the ball up on the left wing. Alpi was down on the block. And Schroeder tossed the ball in and immediately, like, ran past him. And it was like a nice little give and go. But Alpi didn't skip a beat. And Schroeder cut in, you know, kind of from the slot 
in towards the middle of the paint. He didn't go around the outside of Alpi. He cut in towards, you know, towards the paint. And Alpi hit a beautiful behind-the-back bounce pass. No hesitation. Like, the ball had been in his hands for about a half a second when he decided he was going to attempt that bounce pass. Got it right to Dennis Schroeder, right in his chest. And Schroeder went up for the layup and, 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 and whiffed it. You know, completely just... It's, it's frustrating because there have been so many of those this season where Al P lays out a beautiful dime for one of his teammates and they just aren't able to convert. And it, it just, it sucks because that would have been another highlight play in Al P's insane highlight reel package from this game specifically. But he did, you know, there was another one later on, even though that one didn't convert. There was another one from Al P a little bit later on where... <laughs> Uh, where, where he had just gotten the offensive rebound. He was kind of resetting, reloading. All the Grizzlies were swarming him. And he saw, I don't know, KPJ out of the back of his head. I, at this point, I swear Alpi's got eyes in the back of his head. And has the ball over his head and just no look, flips it behind his head. KPJ catches it, goes up for two, and flushes it right at the rim. And in that moment, it was, I mean, it was absurd. Toyota Center went wild for it. It was really impressive and crazy to see just the level at which Alpi plays and again the speed at which he sees and processes the game allows him to make some of these insane passes and then here's the best part on top of all that yes the performance was impressive from Alpi wasn't enough to get the win he did spark a bit of a rockets comeback there in the third quarter before the Grizzlies wound up blowing the game wide open a little bit later on but Post game, we got one of the best quotes ever when Jonathan Fagan of the Chronicle asked Alperen Shingun about his uh, celebrations after his dunks, uh, specifically the flexing. Verdiğin reaksiyonda bunun bir parçası mı? I love my muscle. I'm <laughs> more muscle than beginning of the season. That's why I gave the reaction. I love my muscles. <laughs> One, going through a translator gets us some of the most incredible quotes ever. They're, they're just phenomenal. But, you know, just what, I mean, awesome. Like, I, I love my muscle. There's more muscle than the beginning of the season. That's, I mean, you're sure. Like, that's a very... Matter of fact point. That's why you see Shingun after he, you know, yams one through the rim. He's just, oh, like flexing, like super strong. And, you know, I just, I love that this is, I, I wished that this had been a drop where, because LP's taken some times where he's responded directly uh, to the media in, in English instead. And I really wish this had been one of those where he replied himself in English because I would have used this drop incessantly because it's just, it is the perfect line. Like, like, hey, LP, why are you carrying all the groceries in one trip? I love my muscle. Hey, LP, why do you only wear tank tops? I love my muscle. <laughs> like, I could just go through the list on and on and on. And even though it's not Alpi's, uh, even though it's not Alpi's line verbatim, uh, I feel like that drop is going to have to uh, make its way into Rocket's history for sure. But with that, uh, that's gonna that, that's that's it for segment one. Want to get into a bit of the rest of the game? Uh, KJ Martin and Dennis Schroeder, their performance off the bench. Kevin Porter Jr. acting weird and Christian Wood getting pulled early in the third quarter. Going to talk a little bit about that as well as we'll get to the draft uh, prospects in segment three. But first, a quick message from our friends over at Built Bar because look, when it comes to protein bars. You've got to check out Built Bar. They are the number one protein bar on the market. They've got so many incredible flavors to choose from. 
uh, raspberry, strawberry, cookies and cream, mint brownie, peanut butter, my personal favorite, coconut brownie chunk. You can't go wrong with a single bar on their menu. Every single bar is low-cal, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, amazing if you're on a keto diet, amazing if you're trying to cut back, lose a little bit of weight, and you can check them out. Just go to built.com and use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off your very next order of the best-tasting protein bars on the market. Again, that's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And continuing on here at Locked On Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Let's get into a little bit more of this game against the Grizzlies. Now, you know, no John Morant in this game for the Grizzlies, still no Eric Gordon for the Houston Rockets. So Garrison Matthews getting the starting nod once again in place of EG. And as far as the game flow of this one, you know, the Rockets got out to, you know, not a great start, a 30 to 21 first quarter by the Grizzlies. Second quarter, energy still not quite there. Third quarter was when things picked up. And again, that's where Steven Silas decided to, you know, have the quick trigger and and pull Kevin Porter Jr. and Christian Wood very early in that quarter because the Rockets were just playing without any sense of urgency, without the right effort, the intensity wasn't there. And KPJ, after starting the game on an okay note, had a sequence of possessions, you know, late in the second quarter that were just like the body language was just so bad, so far off. He had, what, like an air ball three-pointer. Then he had another one where he drove to the rim and was, like, delayed in getting back on defense because he thought he had sh- he should have gotten a foul. Then he had another one where he finally, like, at, you know, after a couple of, you know, really ugly possessions in a row, he caught the ball, you know, down, down low, basically tried to hit a quick spin move on his defender and go up at the rim and bricked another shot right there at the rim, was wide open, just no, you know, no, no lift under his legs, nothing, and didn't make it back on defense the subsequent possession. Just really some horrendous body language out of Kevin Porter Jr. And that had been one of the areas that I'd been so impressed by from him this season, where KPJ earlier this season and even last season, right? Uh, something that we'd seen from him is he would get very visibly frustrated with himself, you know if shots weren't falling, if he turned the ball over, like any little mistake on the court, and it would be amplified by like a thousand in, you know, in KPJ's mind. And he would be incredibly hard on himself. And you'd see him be frustrated with himself in action, live on the court. And for, it feels like for a while now, we haven't really seen that version of KPJ where things are going poorly and he's visibly like, you know, demonstrative, frustrated on the court with his own level of play or with his teammates level of play for that matter. And it's really kind of felt like ever since the uh, new year's day meltdown, right? The halftime incident, it's basically felt ever since that moment, he's been, you know, had a good head on his shoulders. He's been focused. He's been determined. All of that. This was that first outing where it's like, man, 
you can't let this happen. Like you can't let the, you can't let your frustrations boil over to the point where it's impacting your effort and your ability out there on the floor. And then not only that, you know, I've had a sneaking suspicion for a while now that I don't know if KPJ is necessarily playing at a hundred percent right now because it was, and I think it was actually, I think it was the first meetup or the, the, you know, the last game between these two teams, Rockets, Grizzlies, uh, where KPJ had a stellar night and it felt like at points in that game, right? KPJ, you know, kind of clutching at his leg. That's been an intermittent thing that we've seen a lot of lately where he clutches at his leg. He's, you know, looks like he's in pain on the court, kind of hobbling around a little bit. And I thought it was in that game. Maybe I'm mistaken here, but I could have sworn it was in that game where KPJ at a point in that game looked like he was trying to go full speed for multiple possessions and just was like jogging on the court. Like that was the fastest he could go because he was, you know, labored because he was hurt or, you know, had a nagging injury. And maybe that's the case here in this one as well. Maybe that's been the case for a while now. If KPJ has an injury that the medical staff is basically like, well, you've probably got a little bit of pain, but you're playing through it. And it's just nothing that's been like officially released yet because he just doesn't look right at times. Like he doesn't look like he has the same burst, the same explosion, uh, the ability to finish around the rim. You know, it is probably one of those things where it's, you know, late in the season, maybe there's a lingering injury or two, especially for his leg that has been a recurring issue all season long. And if that's the case, he shouldn't be playing. Like, I get it. You want to be out there playing. You want to get as many reps in as possible. All of that, I understand. But it's, you know, if, if he's not able to play the level of defense that we've become accustomed to him playing, if he's not able to you know, get to the rim effectively and unlock that side of his game, which then unlocks more, you know, by way of, you know, his ability to create for his teammates, all of that, then he shouldn't be out there on the floor. And this was a performance from KPJ where, you know, looking at just the number, you know, by the numbers, by the eye test, like it was probably one of the worst off performances from KPJ this season, just when you factor in the body language, the shot attempts, just how, you know, I don't want to say disinterested in the game he looked at times, but it was just a, a very, you know, not a great message sent by KPJ in this one. And I did, you know, I loved that Steven Silas, you know, didn't appreciate the energy that the Rockets came out with early in the quarter, both in, you know, by extension, Christian Wood as well a little bit, who, to be fair, I don't think Christian Wood was being as, as lethargic at points in this game as KPJ was. I thought Christian was playing all right. Like he was mainly taking perimeter outside shots. He was very perimeter oriented in this game, not really getting anything going, you know, by way of his, you know, driving game, you know, attacking off the catch, that kind of thing. But I didn't think he necessarily deserved to be yoinked early for effort the way that KPJ was. So maybe Seawood catching a little bit of, you know, some strays because of KPJ. Some weirdness going on there, right? But at the same time, I like seeing Steven Silas, you know, put his foot down, you know, pull them out early, say, you know, you know, this, this effort, unacceptable. You got to get out of the game, go get your head right. And maybe that's what KPJ did, right? Like when he went back to the locker room, you know, momentarily came back out to the Rockets bench, maybe he had to take a step to the back just to compose himself, get his head right, try to get his head back into the game mentally before, you know, diving back in. And he did get another shot in the game, right? He got put in later. Uh, he got the, again, the, the no look dime assist for, uh, from Al P, which was one of the highlights of the evening, the few and far between highlights, I should say, but, uh, he did get another chance, right? So Steven Silas with a short leash for KPJ in this one, but he did get another crack at it. Now, as far as the other guys from this Rockets game, I mean, you know, this was 
kind of an ugly affair all around, especially when you look up and down the starters. Jalen Green with just a 3 of 13 performance, only 8 points, snapping his streak of 22 consecutive games with double-digit scoring numbers. That is quite unfortunate because that was the longest streak by any street, any rookie this season, and it was just, I believe, three games short of uh, a streak by Steve Francis back during his Rockets rookie season. Uh, Stevie Franchise doing it 25 games in a row, I believe was the number when I looked it up. And But then, you know, off the Rockets bench, you know, starters absolutely struggled in this game. Off the Rockets bench, though, K.J. Martin continues to impress at a high level. We already covered Alperin Shingun and what he has done. K.J. had some monster slams of his own in this game. And again, K.J. Martin dunks just hit different. They're very loud. Uh, they get the audience absolutely going. And Dennis Schroeder, who continues to be a big positive off this Rockets bench. He had 17 points, 6 of 13 shooting, 3 of 6 from the three-point line, four boards, four assists. He had just one turnover. He is, you know, very much bought into this veteran mentorship leadership role, and it was highlighted by, you know, the pod father himself, Ben DuBose, who at one point, you know, in the fourth quarter when Dennis Schroeder was on the bench. He actually was, you know, got up and was, you know, talking to the referees and like, you know, kind of arguing on behalf of the Rockets for some calls in in the favor of their team, kind of trying to make life easier for the guys who were still in the game and on the floor and, and trying to, you know, finish off this game for the Rockets. And not only that, post game, Dennis Schroeder talked about this is a different role for him. It's a different position than he's ever been in in his career, being the veteran on a roster full of young guys, and he's embracing the challenge, embracing his role, and trying to teach these guys whatever he can, trying to lead by example in situations, that kind of stuff. And so it's nice to see Dennis Schroeder understand his role, whether or not he's going to be here next season for the Houston Rockets. You know, I'm torn on whether or not having him here next year makes sense for this team. It really kind of depends on where they go in the draft and, and how heavily they want to continue the experiment with Dacian Nix and how many minutes he should be getting at the NBA level. All these different factors are at play. But I wouldn't be upset, right? Because if it, if it looks like Dennis Schroeder is going to play this way and be, you know, the facilitator off the bench and get guys involved and be the, the veteran team leader presence that the, this Rockets team needs at stretches on the floor, then I'm okay with it. But if they're also going to have Eric Gordon, I feel like you kind of only need one vet at this point, you know, with where this Rockets young court is headed, how much talent they have, and the progress that they made here in the second half of the season you'd expect that they'd be able to kind of carry their own water a little bit, carry their own weight uh, next season a bit more than they were able to this year. And, you know, hopefully that means a little bit less of a need for, you know, a chaperone on the floor at all times in an Eric Gordon or a Dennis Schroeder out there kind of, you know, corralling the rookies, corralling the, the young guys and trying to get things settled down. So we'll see whether or not Dennis Schroeder actually sticks around, you know, long term here with the Houston Rockets. But coming up, I do want to talk about, you know, share some thoughts on the March Madness games from uh, the latest part, latest stretch of the tournament. Uh, Jabari Smith Jr. really struggling. Auburn had their tournament run cut short. Paolo Bancaro looking pretty good, and Jaden Ivey looking pretty good. The Jaden Ivey stock is rising. We're going to get there in just a moment after a quick message from our friends over at Bet Online because it's that time of year. We got March Madness. It's going strong. 
And you know BetOnline has you covered with all the latest odds, contests, and player props. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your sports betting needs and info. BetOnline remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sports wagering information needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. So don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available to you. Head over to their website or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action that are available right now. BetOnline, it's where the game starts the nba playoffs are right around the corner and locked on nba is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama every monday jackson gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league helping to break down the nba playoffs mark your calendars to listen to locked on nba every monday to be up to date locked on nba available on youtube and wherever you get podcasts Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And final segment here at Locked On Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Let's get into a little bit of the uh, performances from the top draft prospects in the most recent slate of March Madness games. Let's start with, let's start with Jabari Smith Jr., who Auburn went out sad against Miami. 79-61, uh, two seed knocked out by a 10 seed. And Jabari Smith Jr. had a rough performance. Like, I'm going to be up front. Like, this probably, you know, it's not going to tank his stock, uh, but it's going to impact his stock probably a little bit, and it's going to be something that teams probably point to and look at and, and are concerned by. Now, I'm a big proponent of the fact that whether you have a really, you know, a, a really big game or a really bad game in the tournament, that shouldn't dissuade teams from you know believing in your overall ability, right? So Jabari Smith Jr. had a rough game. He was you know, 10 points, 3 of 16 shooting, 1 of 8 from behind the 3-point line, 3 of 6 the charity stripe. Did have 15 rebounds, 4 assists, and 3 blocks in this one. Now, I think if there's a silver lining here, right, it's it's you can look at the fact that even though he wasn't able to put the ball in the bucket the way that he normally does, he was still impacting the game with his defense, with his rebounding, trying to create a little bit, you know, trying to find other ways to impact the game besides his scoring, which normally, right, is is the best part of his game is the fact that he is such a pure shooter, pure scorer, can put the ball in the bucket. So I think if there's a silver lining there, it's that he was still trying to be impactful in other ways in this one. But unfortunately, Auburn falling significantly short in this game. And then Walker Kessler, too, who is a guy that I've been incredibly high on, but he had a really horrendous game across the board as well. His presence not really being felt at all in this game. Zero of six shooting, only two points, two boards, two blocks in this game. A really, really tough outing. For Walker Kessler as well, whose whose stock may be more adversely impacted than Jabari's at this point as kind of a um you know mid first round guy, late lottery tops type prospect uh, to have to go out on this kind of a note. Uh, again, even though you you shouldn't take one game and just kind of you know try to project all like the one game struggles onto a player and who they're going to be at the NBA level, but it's it's another data point to add to the entire data set for their whole season. And it just sucks because it, you know, when you end on a bad note, right? That's the last thing everybody's going to remember. So everybody's going to remember Jabari Smith, three of sixteen against Miami. They're not going to think about the impressive games that he's had earlier this season, the solid performances, right? It's just that's going to be the first thing that jumps to mind is going out sad against Miami in the tournament. But like I said, I don't think that one performance should tank a prospect's value. I've still got Jabari number one on my board even after this performance. I just think that he. 
his combination of size, defense, shooting, all of that in in that you know that six ten frame, it's going to translate at the NBA level. And I, I've largely thought for a while now that Ben Carroll had the the highest floor of any of the top prospects. And Jabari might be right there with him as far as like a high floor type player where even at his worst version of himself, Jabari is probably going to be a legitimate NBA role player who can provide, you know, solid levels of defense, re- you know, reliable shooting from the perimeter, all that. If he doesn't, you know, ever get to a point where he is, you know, consistently and routinely able to create his own offense at the NBA level, then I still think he's going to be a valuable piece for an NBA team because of the other assets that he brings to the table. But again, I, you know, don't want to tank his draft stock too much. Uh, it hasn't tanked in my opinion too much. Uh, and maybe that's just because I'm irrationally high on what Jabari Smith can potentially bring to the board as a potential like future, you know, all-star with that level of shooting and the way it's going to translate to the NBA level. I don't know. Maybe I'm a little bit biased, but the other two guys that played, uh, we got to talk a little bit about Paolo Bencaro and then Jaden Ivy, who if, if, of all of these guys, I think Jaden Ivey's stock has risen the most for me, actually. But with Paolo Bancaro, you know, just a, a solid level performance from him. You know, 19 points, 8 of 14 shooting, 2 of 5 from 3, 1 of 3 from the charity stripe. You know, the 1 of 3 is a little whatever. But, you know, just a really efficient scoring outing from Bancaro. 7 boards, 4 assists, 1 block, like... And he's a guy who, I guess my biggest question mark for him is what does the playmaking look like at the next level, right? Like if you're going to be, if he's going to be the type of, you know, forward, the type of big that you want to put the ball in his hands to be a primary scoring option, you know, what does that look like in terms of getting his teammates involved? And so the four assists was nice to see in this one. I do think he's a bit, maybe, maybe a bit of an underrated playmaker, even by myself at times. But with Bancaro, he's going to make an immediate impact with whatever team takes him. I think he's got, again, probably the highest floor of the top four prospects. And, you know, my concern is just that his ceiling isn't as high as the other guys, right? Because to me, that number one pick is about, it it, it really is about, you know, any of the top picks, not just the number one, but, you know, top five or so in the draft. It's about making a, you know, trying to find a franchise altering type talent, right? And for me, I just don't know if the ceiling is high enough on Bancaro and what he's going to look like in the NBA to take that swing if the Rockets are, say, the number one overall pick. Um, I think he is firmly in that second tier right now. I think it's it's Jabari and Chet in the first tier and then Jaden Ivey and Bancaro in that second tier of the top four. I think that's how they've kind of separated themselves. But, and these are... This is just inherent with my concerns with Chet. I may be getting really close to putting Jaden Ivey in that first tier. Like it's, you know, his his poise, his control of the game, the way that he played, uh, you know, calm, cool, composed down the stretch of this game for Purdue against Texas. Uh, I mean, he walked away 18 points, four of seven shooting, two of four from three, eight of nine at the free throw line. And I think that's the big one is... You know, he gets to the he gets to the free throw line so easily. You know, his ability to create and drive, draw contact, you know, at, at the NBA level, it's gonna be, you know, leveraging that ability to drive and create contact into finishing through contact and you know, creating use using that scoring gravity to create for his teammates. And I very much look at look at Jaden Ivey as a guy who could have 
again, the, the comparisons are there to Ja Morant. I think they're very accurate in the sense that, you know, Ja doesn't necessarily walk out there and he's not like a walking, he's not quite like a walking double-double like the way that Trey is. Because I think Trey and Ja are very different players, like just at their core in how they get their buckets and how they create for their teammates and how they utilize their gravity. Whereas Jaw is a guy, Jaw's a guy who's going to do a majority of his damage inside, kind of create that way, suck in the defense and create shots for perimeter guys. Trey is a guy who you have to follow around so much that he's also adept at driving, but he's got so much shooting gravity that he pulls defenses out to him, right? You see, you see teams blitzing Trey Young. You see them sending double teams at him out on the perimeter. And I think with Jaden Ivey, you you look at him and he very much has that John Morant blueprint of he's going to do so much of his damage on the interior that you have no choice but to camp guys in the paint and try and stack in the paint to slow him down. And if you do that, it's going to leave shooters open out on the perimeter. And for Jaden Ivey to be able to create at the NBA level for NBA level shooters and to have those options around him, he's going to be able to put up assist numbers and numbers very akin to what John Morant does on a nightly basis. Like that's, that's kind of what I'm looking at and projecting upon Jaden Ivey. Maybe that's unfair this early into his career. He's not even an NBA player yet, but that said the similarities, the explosive athleticism, the finishing ability around the rim, all of that is there. And Ivy's a much improved three-point shooter, too. And that's the thing that really does stand out is when you've got a guy who's got that insane athleticism, the insane ability to finish at the rim, all of that, you want to look at him and see, okay, is he also going to be a competent shooter? Because you can have all the athletic ability in the world. You can be the greatest finisher ever. But if you don't have the ability to stretch a defense out past 15, 18 feet, you're going to be you're going to hamstring your offense, whatever offense you're a part of at the NBA level, because shooting is there's such a premium placed on shooting. And if you can't shoot the ball, defenses will expose that. You don't have to be a phenomenal shooter. You don't have to be a 40 percent plus three point shooter, but you got to be at least a reliable three point shooter to be able to open up the rest of your game and the rest of the game for your teammates so that you don't clog up the spacing and ruin, you know, just the offensive identity for your team because you can't put the ball in the basket from long from long range. So I'm really close to I'm really close to moving Jaden Ivy over Chet Holmgren. Whether or not that's like, you know, sacrilege or not, I, I don't know. I just I have major concerns about Chet and about his body at the NBA level. I think there's a lot of talent there. But Jaden Ivy, I think is is of these top four, I think he is the second, like, I almost think he's the second most sure thing after Bancaro. It's really tough. This is a really talented top four, and I'm going to be diving into quite a bit more film and really pouring over, looking at these prospects to make myself more knowledgeable because I've only seen, you know, a, a small portion of these guys play, right? I haven't watched every game, uh, you know, of their seasons. I haven't poured over hours of footage yet. And so this is this is just kind of my preliminary assessment and where I have these guys on my big board. And as we approach the, the draft lottery and subsequently the draft, all of that, my opinions may change, right? Last year, I was very much, you know, in the, in the Evan Mobley camp for a large portion of time. Well, actually, very originally, I was Jalen Suggs, like very early on. And then I was Evan Mobley for a significant portion of time. And then probably a few weeks before the draft came around, I started seeing the light on Jalen Green. And, and then I, I fully dove into believing Jalen Green was the right pick. And I could very well cycle through a few different guys this time around before I settle on who I want the Rockets to take with their pick this time around. But as it stands right now, I've still got Jabari, Chet at number two for now, 
Jaden Ivey, number three, and Paolo Bancaro still down at number four. So with that, that's going to do it for today's episode. If you haven't done so yet, please consider subscribing or releasing your podcast, Apple, Spotify, Google, the brand new Odyssey app, free and available on all platforms. Also, be sure to check out the Locked on Rockets YouTube channel. Go to YouTube, search Locked on Rockets, like, comment, subscribe, all of that. How do you feel that those top prospects did in their recent games in the NCAA tournament? Let me know in the comments. What does your big board look like? Let me know your top four in order, who you think the Rockets should pick, what your mock big board looks like. Drop that in the YouTube comments. I'm very curious to see where everybody's head is at. But as always, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked on podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.